random encounter at a broadcasting facility, a shared interest and love of all things Marvel, Excelsior, a misinterpreted program title, and behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick, podcaster and comic book enthusiast, and Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists presents Legal Counsel, a She-Hulk attorney at law podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. Eddie Wilson is on assignment in, oh, let's say the microverse. Eddie got really, really tiny, and now he's fighting with Bug, who always talks like that and uses the clicking every single time he talks. So, joining us is our pinch hitter himself, Ryan Michael Toon. Ryan, good evening. Well, hello. And by the way, it is evening as we're recording. This recording session is taking place at 8.58 p.m. on Saturday, August 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. But I digress, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about episode two of our Jade Giantess, Shulky herself, She-Hulk, Jennifer, Jennifer Walters, easy for me to say, Anyway, it's episode two on the award-winning Disney Plus, and Ryan, what is this episode called? Yes, I'm Ryan Brown. I will be representing um, the other <laughs> end of the microphone for this. Took me too long to think of a lawyer joke, but there it is. <laughs> uh, I like this episode. Um, it's not as fun as last episode. Um, that's that's for sure. But um, I still enjoyed it. I'm enjoying the show overall. And, um, yeah, uh, we can get into the nitty-gritty why. But overall, it is it is an enthusiastic thumbs-up for the first episode and just a regular thumbs-up for episode two. See, I loved episode two almost as much, if not more, than episode one. So I, I feel also my enjoyment of this episode and just the show overall so far, it's short. It's not too long, not too short, but it, it's still short, if that makes sense. You want you want to keep your tight five with comedy, you know, like it's oh my uh, god, <laughs> it's a it's a tight twenty minute comedy. You got your intro, you got you know your setups, your 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 arcs, your stories, your middle, your ending, and then a little a little joke to leave you hanging for next week. Last time it was oh wow she is she Hulk and she's gonna let the world know, and this time is oh this job's gonna be way harder than I thought. So, you know, each time there's a little Joe cliffhanger at the end, which is great. You know, that's the, you're supposed to be left wanting more. So it's perfect. And with this episode, how does it start? Uh, with her going to a bar, uh, kind of celebrating, I think. I, I don't know what the word is, but it's definitely the after court bar. She's not wearing her shoes for some reason, even though they show her taking them off. Um, oh, I guess now she's not wearing her shoes again because she goes back into She-Hulk when she's in the bar. But, yeah, Little known she, fact: This episode, wearing... well, this episode is a special dedication to Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's funny you say that because I did not know this, 
but um, you know, debate it if it's true or not. In The Incredible Hulk, way back when in 2008, uh, their names for each other while being pen pals were Mr. Green for Banner and I believe Mr. Blue uh, for the leader, Samuel Stearns. Um, I just thought, you know, Mr. Green, because I didn't think too much into it. Now people are telling me, and rightfully so, it's an obvious uh, reference to Tim Roth from being in um, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. So yeah, it's, I did. I, I, it's just now slapping me in the face, like, oh wow, I'm dumb. I yep, I should have caught that. And it's funny because in the uh, 2008 Incredible Hulk, there are no references to Fight Club, and they're literally there waiting for the audience. Like Edward Norton is there as the character of the Incredible Hulk, and you'd think they would do a Fight Club reference. To be honest, that's I why when when he initially got casted, I was like, oh Peter. shit. Oh, I, know. I, I just don't see the connection between <laughs> uh, having an alter ego that loves to beat things up. I don't see it. Nah. <laughs> well, Daredevil will be oh. showing up later in this season. But <laughs> it was interesting because speaking of Edward Norton, we're going to fast forward a little bit in this episode, but there's an Edward Norton reference in a roundabout way. It's like some people are saying it is, some people are saying it isn't, but it most definitely is. And, Ryan, the quote basically was Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk, played by the great Mark Ruffalo, saying the comment of, I was a different person then, literally, is such a great on the nose. But it's like it's a cutesy little thing where you can go with it as a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan being like, he's a different person then because he's the smart Hulk now, not a raving, rampaging monster. And then you also go with it on the nose of, yeah, just a heads up. Uh, they recasted him in 2012. It's no longer Edward Norton. So enjoy your enjoy your pie. Yeah, I loved it because uh, Mark and Bruce, they go right up to the fourth wall. They go right up to it. And you it's debatable, did they cross it or not? Is he just talking about merging with Hulk um, and his MCU physical presence? Or is he breaking the fourth wall? But just to be sure... We have Jen who can peek through the window of that fourth wall and wave and go, ha, and let us know that, yes, the writers did that on purpose. That is obviously a Norton reference. So I loved it. I thought it was handled perfectly. You, you can always now be debating uh, what Bruce meant, but you can't debate that Jen broke the fourth wall, just to be clear. <laughs> and it's funny with her because her usage of fourth wall breaking has been perfectly done because... You could overdo it and make it a tired trope and just, like, get sick of it. But for her portrayal of her usage of the character and the usage of fourth wall breaking, not that much. It's it's done when it's necessary, and I appreciate that. Although a lot of people out there are wondering, are we going to see a fourth wall battle between herself and Deadpool? And it's very much low-hanging fruit, but I have a little one that I would love to see them do and, you know, have her meeting Deadpool. Deadpool then breaks the fourth wall and talks to the audience. And then she says to him, who are you talking to? And then that just makes him have like essentially a existential crisis all while as he's having that, she turns to the camera and does a little wink. So who knows? Maybe that could happen, but just a cutesy little scene. But the fact, you know, my elevator, my elevator pitch for the Deadpool cameo, because I have thought about this as well, is we have She-Hulk uh, either addressing the camera or someone else, 
and complaining that people are giving her crap that uh, she's just copying Deadpool by breaking the fourth wall. And she can then, I guess, turn to the camera and break the fourth wall and goes, I was doing it way before Deadpool came out. Deadpool just sashays to the right, says, it's true, holds up her original first appearance, yells the date, and then sidesteps left. And that is how Deadpool is introduced. He just jumps on screen, confirms She-Hulk did it first, and then dips. It will end and, all this anger, all this debate of people like, why is She-Hulk just a girl Hulk that acts like Deadpool? It's like, dude, before you talk, do the minimum amount of research. You have a computer in your pocket. Before you open your mouth and say something stupid, just do the minimum amount of research. That's all you got. As I, as I lovingly say on usual Facebook comments, because I love, you know, having high blood pressure, the concept of telling people, read a effing comic book. And by the way, I never say effing. But with uh, the whole issue of, you know, her in the beginning of the episode at the uh, bar and the celebration and whatnot, one of my favorite lines came from the jealous lawyer who just goes, how did you get it? Huh, nepotism. I knew it. <laughs> I was absolutely dying at that line. It's just such, it's such a small line got an audible belly laugh out of me, so... Good job to the writing staff. Now, I did enjoy it, and I don't know if it fully absorbed with me how great that joke is because um, now, thinking back to my rich friends who became lawyers, um, how did they get those jobs? Hmm. Huh. (laughs) So I'm just now fully realizing how amazing that joke is, that there is a rich, spoiled lawyer in New York jealous of nepotism. So... It's so great. And, you know, that whole scene where it's then revealed she loses her job because the law firm that she was going against ended up getting her fired. And, you know, we see her trying to figure out getting a job, what she can do, and just the overall trial and error, trial and error, and just the sense where she's ready to give up and all of a sudden ends up hearing from a certain law firm, which has a major connection with the acronym and Ryan I want you to tell the audience at home what that acronym is and what it means alright so we got J L K and H so G stands for Goodman that refers to Marty Goodman the first publisher of Marvel Comics Lieber uh, refers to Stan Lee's birth name Stanley Lieber and Kurtzman is actually also the birth name of Jack Kirby uh, Jacob Kurtzberg uh, and Holloway, I'm not sure. I think that's just a made-up character. Uh, I believe Dan Slott made up Holloway. And, um, yeah, so we got three references and then a character. And this is not the first example, by the way. I want to re- I believe I did not see the uh, scene, but I ended up seeing, like, afterwards. Like It was like a blinker-you'll-miss-it kind of thing where Jen is on the computer. And Easter eggs, like those acronyms... We also get Easter eggs in the form of websites and certain news articles that are going on. And I believe this was around the time that scene happened. Correct, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, at the computer, you get... Um, it. She. It's right before the, the job offer. She is basically hitting her low point to let her you know that when she gets a job offer in the next scene, she's going to take it. 
um, because it's her and her best friend digging the bottom of the barrel, looking for jobs anywhere. She's basically given up, and now she's, like, looking at, um, you know, uh, trash sites for news because she's basically giving up looking for a job. Uh, that's how we see the two Easter eggs referring to a certain mutant and then referencing the um, uh, almost awakened um, Celestial from the Eternals. And obviously the very first news article was the one that got the most fervor on the internet. Uh, basically, we are getting our favorite knucklehead making his debut eventually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I thought it was really interesting that Wolverine got alluded to in She-Hulk, the television series on the award-winning Disney+. And in the Marvel comics, the old Knucklehead makes his debut in a Hulk comic, Hulk 180-181. And it's kind of neat that, you know, he's alluded to in a Hulk product project such as this, when, you know, he made his debut, his claim to fame, in the pages of a Hulk comic book. So it's a nice little uh, tip of the hat to the continuity of the Marvel Comics universe. There is something just iconic about that image of uh, Hulk versus Wolverine, the tiny guy that can't be touched because of his sharp claws, and the big guy that cannot be broken. It really does just somehow feel like when those, when they created that rivalry, they just created Marvel's version of David and Goliath, but David is made with adamantium. So, you know, it's maybe not quite that, that maybe not the best analogy. I have a hard time, but uh, maybe just like um, like a snake and a, oh my God, a mongoose. You know, like, it, it's just like, wow, these two things are terrifying and they are such great rivals. Like, you almost can't picture one without the other now. So, yeah, I, I've always loved their legacy. Marvel, uh, Hulk versus, uh, I believe, is the first time Steve Bloom voices Wolverine. And wow, dude, if you have not seen that anime, do yourself a favor. Go see Hulk versus. You will see one of the greatest fights. There is blood. I believe it might also be the first time Noah North voices Deadpool. So, I, I mean, you you are doing yourself a disservice if you are a Marvel fan and you have not seen Hulk versus because it is fantastic. Uh, Your Honor, may we have a sidebar at this time? Yeah, 15-minute recess to watch Hulk versus. Well, I have a bit of a uh, sidebar that I want to talk about. This I love the fact that this is a legal-related uh, show, so I can use as many legal puns as humanly oh, possible. Oh, I'm sorry. Here it's we an are. actual sidebar. <laughs> yes, it is. So uh, you, you mentioned the phrase big guy, and I, I would be remiss if I did not bring up a memory from my personal life involving a friend of mine, my friend Jordan, uh, years and years ago, you said the wor- the phrase big guy, and I will always laugh my ass off when I ever hear the expression big guy because we used to go to, uh, my, me and Jordan, we used to go to Oswego, New York, uh, SUNY Oswego, class of uh, 13 on my end, and we ended up going to Harbor Fest, which is a major deal in the Oswego area, and it's like, you know, all these little parties, all this food, you can see concerts, this, that, the other thing. And we ended up going over to the uh, the area where there were military ships. And, like, you could see, like, submarines, which, no, I've never been on a submarine, ladies and gentlemen, but I have looked at one. And we see all these military naval ships. And one of them, you know, my buddy Jordan is walking by, and somebody who's guarding all of the stuff literally puts his hand out, blocks Jordan, and goes, whoa, whoa, big guy. No, no, you can't be over here. And... 
the entire day, Jordan had like a George Costanza-esque, uh, how do you say, uh, conniption the entire day of big guy. I'm not a big guy. I'm not, I'm not like big person. I'm average size. I'm, I'm regular height. So anytime I hear big guy, I will always laugh my ass off. So <laughs> the point of that story was I like stories. <laughs> I uh, I love the nicknames they have for them in the MCU. So like, um, uh, especially as a voice actor, uh, Hulk doesn't ever use their real names. Hulk uses nicknames. Uh, yeah. And you know that that of course is perfectly displayed. Once again, I'm going to double down on it in Hulk versus. I will try to cup my mouth. Uh, it's hard to do a Hulk impression without overloading the mic, but I will try. Um, when he yells um, uh, for Wolverine, it's always. Uh, I will kill Pointy Man! Or, you know, like, it's always something about his claws or always something about little... And I, I just love that he never says Wolverine. Like, he always just describes him with these these fun little nicknames. So I just... Re- it's just a really fun part of the Hulk when they do let him talk, that he never calls you by your name. I think he calls... I can't remember what he calls Spider. Little little Spider or something? It gets pretty close to Spider-Man, but... It's it's always fun when, the, when the, you get Caveman Hulk. It's funny because when you look at the uh, DC universe, the distinguished competition, a lot of the time you don't hear the characters called by their superhero names. Like I've noticed like right. in the uh, the Snyderverse, he's called the Bat of Gotham because, you know, you can't say Batman because that's just a silly idea. Or, you know, <laughs> like, wh- what do you call? Like there's so many different names. Like I know Peacemaker is not called Peacemaker. He's like literally b- called by his real name because he's a raging psychopath. And then in the MCU, we get the characters getting their actual names, you know? And in this series, She-Hulk has bestowed the name She-Hulk, and even she admits, what a terrible name. And it's not a great name. It's like like I said on the previous episode, say, what should we call this lady Hulk? She's like a She-Hulk or something. Yeah, no, that's terrible. What, what would you recommend? I'd recommend She-Hulk, Stanley. Get the <laughs> out of my office. <laughs> yeah, that, that's at the point where the shows were starting to hit, and he, he was surrounded by uh, uh, a whole lot of people that just wanted to crank out the next thing. So, you know. Oh, yeah. She-Hulk sounds good to me. Can we market it? Sounds great. So It'll look great uh, as an action figure. That's my segue to saying um, I, I did some research on the voice actresses that have played She-Hulk over the years, and I would say what a huge uh, honor for Victoria Carroll. She got to voice She-Hulk on the 82 uh, The Incredible Hulk Saturday mornings narrated by the great Stan Lee. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure you remember that, but it was just a huge part of my childhood, and whenever I got to watch the reruns or anything, like, you know, I'm hitting play, and the first thing... The first thing I hear is that iconic New York voice saying, Hello, true believer! And I was just like, oh my god, like, I'm there. I am watching a Marvel property. Like, it's not... It's I'm not confusing it with anything else. This is Marvel. Um, and, and, you know, She-Hulk was created and made it to TV in three less than three years. I, I, I can't think of a single Marvel character 
that has been introduced and made it straight to a property in that amount of time. That's insane. That's faster than Gore. That's faster than um, than the Mighty Thor Jane. That's faster than almost every other character that people are saying, wow, that got adapted really quickly. She was basically invented for the TV show, Didn't was not used in the TV show, and instead, a year or two later, was used in the cartoon instead. So, uh, I, 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 for me, that was my first, you know, introduction to the character. So I grew up with She-Hulk. I knew that there was a Bruce Banner that could change, and there was She-Hulk that could not change. And that was the whole catch. Bruce had two identities, but he got to change. So sometimes he could be a normal guy and go to dinner and drive a car and be normal wasn't often but he had those moments of being a normal guy Bruce Banner She-Hulk does not get to be normal anymore but she is in constant control so I just, that was always just the way they separated the two and I, I always thought it was poetic and you know uh, I like that they made the boss Holloway in this version say you can't transform you have to stay She-Hulk because I feel like that's the show's way of keeping it truer where she feels trapped and she has to be She-Hulk all the time so um yeah, some some great voice acting over the years from these ladies. Um, whether they can transform or not, most of them cannot. So most of them just use their normal voice all the time. We had Eliza Dushku on Smash. Uh, Maria Canals, who plays Hawkgirl in Justice League, actually voiced her in Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, Katie Sackhoff voiced her in Superhero Squad. I'm a huge fan of Katie Sackhoff's. And epic voice actress, legend, Gray Delisle Griffin, uh, voiced her in the online version of Superhero Squad, and another voice acting legend, Cree Summers, took over voicing her in the 96 cartoons. So we've had some epic, epic ladies voice She-Hulk over the years. So uh, uh, Tiana Mosley is in great company with She-Hulk actresses. 100%. And again, it's cool to see that this character is at the level she's at. Like, She-Hulk is now a household name as well, you know? It's wild to think. Um, I've always found Marvel to be very clever with their sneakiness. They put them in video games. They put them in cartoons. They start sneaking them into your lives. So before you know it, I mean, to some of the world, to you know, a fair percentage of the world, what the bleep was Guardians of the Galaxy before it came out? No one knew. But to those kids playing Marvel vs. Capcom, to those kid watching the Disney cartoons and maybe some mobile games and here and there, they these kids are already going, spending years with Rocket Raccoon. Like, oh my God, I can't wait to see Rocket! And you know, their dad, their 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 parents, they they have no idea what's going on. They, there's a tree, and there's a Han Solo, but his name is Star Lord. And there's a there's a there's a <laughs> oh man, what is Vin Vin Diesel's name? There's a Riddick, but his name is Drax. And, you know, like, so, like, all these other people are just seeing um, something new. But for kids, it's been around forever. She-Hulk has been around in so many other things. It's her getting something as big as a TV show or a movie is long overdue. Now, what else has happened in this episode? We end up seeing Shulky get the job, and she's immediately faced with a quandary where she has to represent... As a superhero, and by the way, she's joining a superhero uh, division of the law firm, and it's like, oh, that's that's what you want me here for. Great. 
So, so Peter, on a, just a, just a question because this is going to be debatable till we get an answer. Your impressions was the comic wall a lawyer who is a super fan of comics, or was that a lawyer who exclusively uses those comics as research? Is he the librarian of the comic books? I would say it's research. It's got to be. Okay. Because there's still that, you know, element, you know? Yeah. No, it's just funny because I have a doctor who, when I go to see him, uh, I'm always amazed because every time I go see him, I would say monthly, he changes his comic books out. And it's just fantastic. I always forget he's going to do it, and then I I, I just show up, and there's new comic books on the wall. And it looked almost identical to that lawyer setup. So it was just funny because I know a person in real life that has a, a, a an office that pretty much looks exactly like that. So. so he only has Fantastic Four comics out? You did say it's fantastic. <laughs> Fair enough. Da, 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 da. Uh, I want to say the last time I saw it, it was all Thor, Love, and Thunder because he, he does the themes. So, uh, you know, a few months before that, it was all Doctor Strange comics and stuff. So... He tries to go with the themes. I'm sure if I went to his office right now, it would probably be all She-Hulk. It's funny because you mentioned the whole uh, how that scene is set up. And, like, from our visit to the Marvel offices in New York City, it reminded me of when you're walking through the one area, like the main office, and you're, you know, going by all the little cubicles and whatnot. There's an area where they put out the covers of what that week's books are going to be. And it's like oh, a cool. proof of the uh, image, you know, a proof of the cover. And it's like so cool to see. But it's like that was like my immediate reaction. Like, oh, they're doing that. That's cool. And, you know, it's one of those things like when if you ever have the opportunity to go into the Marvel offices, a little bit of a humble brag, but take that chance because holy <laughs> crap. Like, it, it's funny because uh I've talked to people in the past, like one person who has been there, he's like, oh, it wasn't that, impo- it wasn't that great. I'm like, uh, pardon me, but you're f- delusional. <laughs> because like, that was the coolest thing that I've ever gotten to experience. And just seeing the Marvel offices and like, watch, like my only regret, by the way, of be- going there that I wish we could have seen. There's an area like the archive of all of the stories, like all of the books, like everything is in there. And I wanted to know, like when you say everything is in here, does this include like the licensed stuff that you guys lost the rights to? Like, are there Beavis and Butthead comics in here? Are there Power Rangers? Are there, uh, what, what do you call it? Like Rom Ren Space and Knight. Ren and Stimpy. Uh, just all these different properties. Bring it back like, to Dan Slott who wrote she- most, most of the She-Hulk stuff we're seeing. That was his first yeah. uh, published work was Ren and Stimpy. And fun fact, by the way, Spider-Man meets uh, Powdered Toast Man, I believe, is his first time he ever wrote Spider-Man. So <laughs> it's kind of a cool little uh, goes all like like a full circle, full circle kind of thing, yeah. you know? This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows, One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, 
You haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. Nice. But in regards to, uh, you know, she gets the job and now, like, she has to call uh, her cousin. And they're having the conversation. He's like, you're calling me because you want to take the case and you already set your mind to it. You can do it. You get my blessing. We're on good terms now. He wrote me a haiku, a really nice haiku. And this is this whole scene takes place after she ends up uh, seeing Blonsky. And Blonsky is, he's not in the abomination form. He's literally just a guy sitting there. And he's so ominous. He's he's too sympathetic. It doesn't feel like the Blonsky, even if he is a nicer reform Blonsky, it doesn't feel like the same guy we met at the beginning of The Incredible Hulk. So, yeah, there's certainly um, a disingenuousness to it. Uh, he mentions his seven friends, which is very foreboding. It, it, of course, means like, well, there are other people that are other reformed villains. What does this mean? Um, and we'll get what are we, some minute. kind of suicide squad or something? <laughs> Oh man, it, it it couldn't be any closer a comparison. But uh, yeah, uh, let's talk the about one that. thing. I do want to say when you talked about his job, uh, her job. Sorry, when she says, uh, you know, she she's considering taking it, and she goes ahead and meets with uh, Emil. She calls Bruce. It seems like she's decided. Yes, I want to be a lawyer, their lawyer, his lawyer. I'm gonna go work there. Uh, but I feel like the one thing she's still not come to peace with is she has to be She-Hulk when she's there, like she's putting on a circus act. And uh, the way he phrased it, Holloway, where he was so aggressive of saying the uh, She-Hulk as if it's a whole separate entity, um, reminded me of when I was a kid, I loved the movie Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. It feels exactly like the way the coach and basically the entire school felt like we don't give a fuck who Scott McCall is. We like the wolf. If you're not going to show up to practice as the teen wolf, do not show up. And it, it's just, to me, was the exact same energy where it, it felt like, well, do you even like me, the person, then? Or do you just care about the image I can provide for you? So it, it, I, I really liked that because they did change her origin here where she does not transform. But I feel like that is how the show is making it where she feels trapped that she cannot transform. So um, I love that she made her feel pressure about that. She does accept the responsibility of taking Emil's case. And, I mean, Peter, who could these seven friends of Emil's possibly be? So I wanted to talk to you about that because we talked about this off mic. And you have your theories of who these seven are. And let's just get to the point. They're the Thunderbolts. We're going to be seeing the Thunderbolts in the MCU very, very soon. And it's been confirmed by Lord Feige himself at San Diego Comic-Con this past July. I feel like if you and if you and me ever met Kevin Feige, we would have to do the um, we would have to recreate uh, Will, Wayne's World and just both. Oh, 100 percent. We're not worthy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's got to be the Thunderbolts. Uh, I added a meal. So if you add Abomination and you, you want to uh, guess eight people, these are my eight guesses. Some are I'll start with the most obvious and then we'll drift to the maybes. Uh, so you got to have U.S. agent. 
Um, he's already met with Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character, who I cannot remember her name. I have an open window. Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. There so we go. Valentina has pretty much already recruited U.S. agent. She seemed like she started to get her claws on the White Widow, but then uh, we have her in Hawkeye, so that's a little more on the fence. Uh, I would guess Zemo. Um, since we not only saw a kind of redeemed Zemo, but he's a major player in the comics. Um, Abomination, Taskmaster, I'm assuming, Ghost, I'm assuming, and then big, big, big question marks. Red Hulk, we would have to do an origin story, and we would have to get a new actor, because William Hurt sadly passed away. And then uh, Bullseye. We would have to bring in either the same actor or a new actor. Are we going to keep the same origin story from, um, uh, I'm sorry, the Netflix series? Or are we going to change it? But those are those are the eight. U.S. Agent, Zemo, Abomination, White Widow, Taskmaster, Ghost, Red Hulk, Bullseye. So my two guesses of like one is going to be an established person in the MCU and the other person is going to be a debut and you know what? I'll do an extra person, another debut. So two debuts and one regular character. But I feel this is how Thunderbolts is how we're going to get Moon Knight into the uh, properly introduced to play alongside the other MCU characters. Mm-hmm. And the other two, I feel, are going to be Frank Castle, the Punisher, and Deadpool. Because I feel like this lineup is giving me very much 2012 Daniel Way Thunderbolts era. I would so. love that. I mean, I collected every issue of that. So <laughs> they you you had Frank Castle, you had Elektra, you had Red Hulk, you had Agent Venom, which I am the hugest Agent Venom fan. Uh I have every every issue of that series. It's the Reason I know that Declan Shalvey is a genius artist. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 if we could get an Agent Venom, I mean, I would love that, but I don't think we're going to. I'm sorry. What was the one you said that surprised me? You said, who was before Deadpool? Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Okay. The only reason I doubt Moon Knight is because I'm pretty sure we're doing some form of Midnight Suns with Blade. True. Uh, Blade That's very around. true. Blade went around recruiting Ebony Knight. Um, um, duh. <laughs> I just combined him and his weapon. Uh, Black Knight with the Ebony Blade um, was recruited by Blade at the end of the Eternals. So I have a feeling we're getting a Midnight Sun. So I think Moon Knight's staying in a supernatural uh, European team. <laughs> but and by the way, speaking of the uh, 2012 uh, Thunderbolts run... One of the uh, covers on that you might get a kick out of if you, you know, a lot of comic artists will tend to use photo references for their work. And I'm pulling it up right now on Marvel Unlimited, but there is a page or the very, the cover of, uh, let me see, I believe it is Thunderbolts number two, but I could be mistaken. So let's see. Thunderbolts, and it is searching, da-da-da, and I was correct, it is 2012. Issue number three, where it's got the thinker on the cover. That is literally the artist took a picture of the wrestler, CM Punk, from when he was a member of uh, the Nexus, I believe, 
and they just made his forehead really, really big. So <laughs> I got a kick out of seeing that because I looked at it and I go, where have I seen this before? And the artist literally swiped a picture of the wrestler CM Punk. So wow. technically CM Punk has debuted in the Marvel Universe a long, long time ago just with a really big forehead. But <laughs> anyway, back to the episode. Well, back to back to that point you were making comparing it to the Suicide Squad because that ties into one of my big questions. Who is the warden of this uh, West Coast mystery prison? Is that warden Valentina Allegra de Fontaine? I think that would be a huge reveal for the end of the season. And that's how she knows these people. That's how she's creating her Suicide Squad called the Thunderbolts because we do not have Norman Osborn uh, to, to do it. We don't have Baron Zemo with that kind of pull yet. So they're letting her do it. So I think she should be the warden of that prison. Um, it just seems like a fit to me. She and, is 100%. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give a little haiku because uh, we brought up Emil before and uh, his way of dealing with his therapy and trying to prove he's changed is a haiku. Uh, so I wrote one as a joke. Uh, let's see. It's got to go 575. So... <clears throat> She-Hulk has been great. Bruce has left for Sakaar now. Planet Hulk for real? So, so Peter, what do you think is going on with that spaceship? I don't see it being Planet Hulk. I do, however, see it being World War Hulk. And if this is the case, if we are going to be getting a World War Hulk, do you do it as a movie? Do you do it as a Disney Plus miniseries? I feel it will be a Disney Plus miniseries because there is no way in hell they're going to be playing with Universal. Universal is like notoriously hard to get along with in regards to the film rights of the character. So they're literally doing anything under the sun to not, you know, let uh, Universal suck at the teat of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing there was some old school um oh god why can't I think of his name right now uh he took over WB animation in the 70s um oh I'm so ashamed of myself for not thinking of his name he's uh, a legend I'm gonna look it up in a minute but he does a version of Mowgli, uh, Mowgli and the Wolves, where one of the beta wolves, or m more accurately, an Omega Wolf, tries to get some of the scraps. And you just see the other wolves go, hur, hur. you don't even get our scraps. And that's how, I, that's, that's how I just envisioned your Disney analogy is, get away, Universal. You don't even get Hulk scraps. You've been an asshole. It's it's one hundred percent that. Like I would love to see them utilize like give us another Hulk movie on the big screen. Because I'm sorry, if you're confining the incredible Hulk to television, that sucks. Like, yes, the character has such a storied history with television, and there's so much uh Incredible Hulk, Bill Bixby era references in the show, including the uh, very end of this episode, the post credit scene, which I did not even realize until you pointed it out. But there's so much history with the Hulk in television. But like at this in this day and age where you can easily do so much amazing stuff with CGI, you're doing a disservice to the character by not letting him play truly on the big screen. And it's funny because. Again, going over the television stuff of, you know, the Hulk, 
I'm waiting, and I have a weird feeling we will get it, and it's going to be a sly reference to the Incredible Hulk TV show with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, but I have a weird feeling we're going to hear Jen Walters' She-Hulk called Andrea the Giant, or Andrea the Giant. And that's a really funny reason or reference because if you remember on the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk, Hulk fought Bigfoot, and Bigfoot was played by the late, great Andre the Giant. So if you hear that, that's going to be a reference to the Bill Bixby series, no doubt. All right, well, now you just opened the Bixby floodgates, so I hope you're ready. I am. So, so. Uh, uh, in response, because I took notes, because I listened to last episode, um, uh, you guys said, you know, uh, is that a Bixby reference? Absolutely. Uh, they crashed. I don't know. I'm gonna. If you didn't notice, rewatch it, because it's not as obvious as it was in the show. But if you rewatch the car crash right before it is eluded, that Banner turns. He turns over quickly and looks right at the camera with his eyes. It's almost a shot-for-shot remake of how Bixby would always be like, ah, ah, and then he would turn, revealing his eyes are white, and he's about to transform. So it is just almost a shot-for-shot remake of the Bixby transformation. Um, Spoiler alert for the future. Three, two, one. If you do watch some of the trailers and stuff, they do show that there's probably going to be a Jennifer Walters uh, commercial that perfectly recreates the classic moment between um uh david banner and the um uh, reporter chasing after him where he goes you wouldn't like me when i'm angry uh and for some reason that's the look of their commercial so we are getting so many bixby references the one at the end of episode two is when they show she hulk doing all the chores for her father the banner men famously don't know how to change a tire that is how Bixby originally turned into Lou Ferrigno in the original series. There's a lightning storm. He basically cuts, sprains his wrist while changing a tire and is just so pissed off and under so much stress, he turns into the Hulk for the very first time. So it feels like a slap in the face. I know it's not because I know they're friends and I'm sure I hope they talked about it. Mark Ruffalo famously did not take the role before he checked it with Edward because they're friends. Edward's whole goal of The Incredible Hulk was he wanted to make it the show, but the movie. He wanted to make a movie updated version of the show with all the feeling of the Bill Bixby show. And now we have a TV show of She-Hulk doing more references and more analogies than Edward could have dreamed of. So it does feel like a little salt in the wound, but hopefully they cleared it with Ed so there's no bad air. And by the way, just to rewind back, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to check it out on our podcast, we did have an interview with the great Mark Ruffalo where he talks about his dealings with Ed Norton. So, also, going back over to the family that you you know, you know mentioned with the whole car ch- uh, tire change, rewind back and we're introduced to the you know her family and how she's like wondering what she's going to do next in her life. And we're introduced to her father, who was played by. Oh, I have it. Uh, Mark Lynn Baker. Cousin Larry. How 
it, like it's funny because I you know I'll go on uh, social media and I'll read the comments because I'm a masochist and you know I'll see like people talking about these uh, things as they're going on and so many people were complaining about this actor being cast because he's a comedic actor and the you know line of the Marvel comedic universe shut up but that whole issue of oh they're casting a comedic actor yeah it's almost like they're casting them for a sitcom huh what a novel concept but in regards to this actor he did a phenomenal job and like I love how like they just go I gotta show you something real quick and then they just segue off like you know uh on by into the other room hey, hey is everything okay blah 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 it's nice to see that you know the family elements of her life if anyone disparages comedy in my presence, they will face my swift and fierce revenge. Um, you give any person that wants to be talented in Hollywood a dramatic speech and a comedic speech, the dramatic one will, will be easier. Um, it's easier to remember a time in your life that was sad. It's easier to talk someone into feeling bad for you. It's easier. I don't know why, it just is. Um, it's harder to walk up to a stranger and make them laugh. So I don't know why we're ever disparaging comedians because if you're a comedian that's now in a, in a role like this where you're trying to be the lovable comedic really father because like he was funny, but in the very next scene, he was the only rock this girl had. You know, she calls Bruce um, and Bruce can't get an ed- a word in edgewise. It seems to be a running theme of Jen's. If you notice, she does the same thing to her father. Once he asks, like, hey, what's up, honey? She won't shut the hell up. And she's just, like, on a roll now. And he's, like, trying to help her, but he's like, all right, I'm just going to let her lawyer and work this out. So, um, yeah, I think getting a comedic actor was absolutely the right the right choice. Because, I mean, first off, what is a comedic actor? He's an actor that was in comedic roles. That's like, you know, I don't, I, I don't, don't be limited just because he's done a previous role. So anyway, I feel like I could random rave about that all day. I'll cut myself off there. So now I think that's going to wrap this episode up a little bit because like, we've covered all of the major things with the episode, correct? Uh, let me see. I got some notes from last time. I'll go over them real quick and we'll talk about anything in length if you care to. Uh, I think Mark Ruffalo's mocap has been exceptional. I know a lot of people have been complaining about the CG. Um, I absolutely loved all the little nuances to Mark Ruffalo when she was dis, uh, respecting his therapy. He looked kind of annoyed, but he was trying to control it. I absolutely loved all those little touches. Um, like you said, we might not get uh, World War Hulk or Planet Hulk. I hope we do. I hope that that Sakaar ship is coming and says, hey... Hulk, we need your help because Sakaar, without a leader, has now been invaded by the Red Prince and the Stone Clan, and they're having a civil war. And boom, you get Planet Hulk. I hope it's a movie. Um, I don't know how they're going to figure that out, uh, like you said, with the Warner Brothers distribution rights, but I'm hoping. Nope, Universal. Really? Yeah, Universal, sorry. So, yeah, I'm really hoping we get planet hulk the real way it's supposed to be done so we can meet the stone clan we can meet his wife and then we can set up scar because i mean who doesn't want to see a young hulk um when 
Jen, <laughs> when Jen, uh, so in reference to the spoiler at episode one, when Jen is uh, drilling uh, Banner and he eventually snaps, I told Peter this in our pre-show conversation. It made me have a special chuckle because whenever I go to a college reunion, all my friends get together and there's always one that just can't take it anymore and always disproves the stupid story that this, his friend's been telling for 15 years. And, you know, eventually he just goes, all right, all right, Tom did not do a backflip. He fell on his back. He rolled off the chair. He somehow survived. He didn't break his leg, but he did not do a backflip. It was the exact same tone, the exact same delivery as Bruce disproving all her crazy Captain America methods. So I personally loved that moment. I thought his delivery and everything about that whole Captain America scene was perfect and hilarious. Also, I appreciated the fact that she uses America's ass as her wallpaper on her phone. Yes, a little Easter egg for season two. Uh, I'm sorry, episode two. But yes, if if you notice, her wallpaper is uh, as I salute to the microphone, Captain America, uh, America's ass. Swiggity so, swooty, she uh, loves that booty. <laughs> uh, we get mention of Pixar in episode one. Uh, as we see Banner uh, heart-wrenchingly remembering Bing Bong's uh, sacrifice. So, uh, and you've already mentioned there's a meme about Thor watching Star Wars. So that means in the MCU, we not only have Pixar, but we have Star Wars. So somewhere there's a person thinking that Frozone sounds a lot like Nick Fury. And Nick Fury kind of looks a little like Mace Windu. Um, I also love the idea that somewhere there's a superhero that is a fan of the movie The Incredibles. Um, that tickles me to think that they're out there and those can coexist. That Spider-Man has watched The Incredibles. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and Roxxon Gas Station. I can't remember if you guys mentioned that in the last episode. I wrote it down just in case. Uh, when we she see She-Hulk transform for the very first time... Um, when she's being harassed by those dudes, uh, it is right next to a Rexon uh, gas station, which has been, you know, that that huge conglomerate in the background. We don't know if they're as evil as they are in the comic books, but they've been in the MCU for a while now. All right, so, so I think that is going so. to wrap this episode up. Uh, Ryan, pleasure as always having you on the program talking nerdy stuff such as this episode of She-Hulk yes I, I I can talk about obviously I can keep going I love this show so far I think it's great I think it's the comedic uh, sitcom we needed uh, there were moments obviously of WandaVision that were parodying a sitcom but now we have an actual sitcom so I'm loving it now before we go how can people get a hold of you on them their social medias I'm at Ryan Michael Toon on pretty much everything you can find. Um, so, yeah, hit me up. Uh, I always do impressions and silly videos. And my big thing is my friends over at KLC, Ryan Stegman and Donnie Cates, uh, they got their big comic Vanish coming out next month. So uh, everyone check out Vanish. Go reserve your copies before they sell out. Your Honor, may we please request a recess? Granted. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Ryan Michael. Case dismissed. Bang, 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 bang